0: So, great to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you grab them for just a few moments and open them up to John chapter four today. John chapter four, this is the fourth week in a row. We're focusing on a loved one. And we're going to finish the story of the woman at the well and how she took what Jesus demonstrated to her, what Jesus showed her to everyone else around her. So, John chapter four today, one more time. By the way, when you are looking ahead, please keep in mind that next week begins a a line drive And a a runway to Easter Sunday morning, which is on April 1st. And we'll be back in the book of Luke. In fact, those of you that have been with us in the the book of Luke for the last year or so, we will go to chapter 22, chapter 23, and then chapter 24 on Easter Sunday morning, the resurrection. So it's really the road to the cross and the passion of Christ all poured out. So look forward to that next week as we get back in the book of Luke. But today, the book of John. You know, we've been focusing on what we call love one. Now, the emphasis, as we all know by now, is the focus on every single individual being able to identify one person that we can begin to intercede for and pray for. Someone that's far from God, perhaps, or certainly someone that's not church, They don't have a church home, they don't regularly hear about the gospel of Jesus. And and as you know people in your sphere of influence that don't know Christ and are not believers in Jesus— that's the person that you want to identify, someone that's local, someone that's around you, someone that you can interact with. Identify them and then begin to pray for them by intercession, lifting them up to the Lord. The third word that starts with I that we have reminded you of is the word invest. We begin to invest in their lives. We begin to talk to them uh, and build a relationship, have coffee with them, have dinner with them. And uh, Then the next word is invite. Invite them to come with you as you worship. Invite them to one of the special events we'll have throughout the rest of 2018. And then you impart the good news of the gospel to them. That's so important for us to share what we know happened to us when we came to faith in Jesus Christ. And so many of us can do that. We're trained to do that. We know how to do that. But it's just so important that we begin by identifying someone. Now those five eyes are all found in the gospel of John chapter 4. They're all reflected in how Jesus interacted with the woman at the well. And our strategy follows and mirrors his exactly. But we wanna look one more time into this encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well before we ask this entire group of people in this room and our preschoolers and our children, everyone, including the early service today, our Hispanic service that's taking place right now, our international service that's taking place right now, to make a commitment To identify one, to intercede, to invest, to invite, and to impart the gospel of Jesus to them. And we're asking you to do what Jesus led the way in doing. You know, part of the joy I have of being a pastor is to uh, preach the word week in and week out. That's one of the main responsibilities that Paul gives to pastors in the book of 2 uh, Timothy, for instance, preach the word. But he also says, do the work of evangelists. So I have really, really joy in doing both of those, both preaching the word and doing the work of an evangelist, which means that we all rally around the gospel and in the gospel. And that's what this is all about. Let's stand together as we read God's word together, beginning in John chapter 4. This is the, time, the moment where the woman begins to realize that she's in the presence of the Messiah She then, after realizing that, turns and goes back to her village, telling them about what's happened to her. So John chapter 4, we've walked through the entire text before. We're going to begin in verse 25 this morning. It says, the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Can you just... Imagine that moment. Just just imagine being in that woman's shoes at the well that day all by herself standing with Jesus of Nazareth and he says, when she brings up the idea of Messiah, I who speak to you am he. Her heart must have stopped. She had to take a deep breath. Are you kidding me? The one that's prophesied about, the one that says, will teach us all things, you're him? So an amazing revelation of his presence to her on that moment. Verse 27, at this point, the disciples came and they were amazed that he'd been speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak with her? So the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the man, come see a man who told me all the things I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? They went out of the city and were coming to him. Now we're gonna pick up the other side of that in verse 39, go down to verse 39. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. And she said, he told me all the things that I've done. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days. Many more believed because of his word. And then this final verse in verse 42. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe... For we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Wow. I'm still, I'm still taken aback by this text every time I read it. The power of a witness of Jesus Christ to see someone else's life, someone else's village, the community transformed. That's what we have here. And that's what we want to do. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you so much for recording this for us as we see this woman so powerfully, dramatically impacted and going back to her village and telling everyone, Lord, do it again. Do it in our lives, do it in our church, do it in our community, Lord. We ask that you help us know how to do that and give us the power to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Please be seated if you would. I'm just gonna take a few moments before I ask you to simply follow the biblical example of Jesus and then this woman at the well. Now, I'm just going to take a few moments to preach this this morning, to share this message with you because it's so incredibly important that we see what happens, but it's even more important that we are not just hearers of the Word, but we're also doers of the Word, that we do what the Scripture leads us to do. And today, I'll ask you to make a commitment to do that. You have a commitment card in your hand, and as you look at that, we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But first, let's look at why. Why would we do this? Why would I ask you to follow the biblical example of Jesus in this matter? Why would I ask you to follow the example of this woman in this matter? You know, when you really read the the story of the woman at the well, you see what we say is our, our motto. Our mantra is real people finding real hope and real life in Jesus Christ. And then as we describe ourselves, we also say our mission is that we are real people helping other real people find real hope and real life in Jesus. And this is what this woman is. She's a real person. I mean, she's authentic in every way. She doesn't try to hide anything about her life because she's standing in front of Jesus who knows everything about her and even calls her out. He says, the man that you live with is not your husband. And you've had five of them, but you don't have them anymore. And the man you live with is not your husband. And she said, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. She's going to be honest and open and real to the Son of God. And that's what we want to be. That's who we want to be. And that's what we see in the life of this woman. Now, let me just point out three things today to carry away. First of all, I want to point out how simple this all is. She simply said, come and see. That's all she did. She was so powerfully impacted by her encounter with Christ that she simply said, come see. And see Now, I want to remind you, she's a brand new believer. By that, I don't mean she's been a believer for months or years or even weeks or days. She's been a believer for minutes, just minutes. He has just said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now, I know by reading the life of this woman and by studying this text, and we can all come to the same conclusion, her life was dramatically transformed just by meeting the Messiah. She understood he was going to tell her all things. She understood that he was gonna wipe her sins clean and give her a brand new life. She didn't understand all of it theologically, but she knew it all experientially at that moment. She wasn't seminary trained. She hadn't been equipped. Nobody had taught her to do anything. She hadn't gone to church yet. The church wasn't even in existence yet. But this is a woman that met Jesus, and she simply said all she needed to say to somebody else, come and see. Come and see a man that told me everything about My life. In addition, the people she went to in that village had not yet seen Jesus and maybe had heard a little about him. They weren't at the well like she was. Jesus had not passed through that city according to the scripture, he'd gone right to the well. So she had a group of people that she knew that would not have seen Jesus, would not have known about him, had not this woman been so. Uh, enthused and so zealous and so eager to tell others that she went back to the village and said, come see him. Come see the man that told me everything that that demonstrated who he was to me. I want to say this to you because it's so important for us to know today. New believers know people who need to hear what they've just heard. Or to say it another way, lost people know lost people. It's so important for us to make friends with people all over the place, people who are are in agreement with what we believe about Jesus, people who worship with us, but also people who don't, people who don't share our conviction, people who are not in church, people who do not know about what the Bible says or who do not know Jesus Christ. It's incredibly important that we build relationships with them. And Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman at the well for the express purpose of having a conversation with her that would lead her to eternal life. So she simply said, come and see to a whole group of people who would not have known had she not gone to them. And listen, there's a lot of people around you that will never know unless you go. and Unless you make friends with people that maybe you've never really known before. Maybe they're neighbors, maybe they're co-workers, and they don't share the same values you share. They don't share the same sentiments you share. They don't share the same lifestyle you share, perhaps. But you can be friends with them, and that's what we want you to be. We want you to be friends with people of all kinds, not just church friends, not just Christian brothers and sisters. As precious as that is and as powerful as that is, your life is enriched, and you are sent for the purpose of not just hanging out with the brothers and sisters, but also hanging out with people that are yet to discover Jesus. Because if they don't discover Jesus through us, how else will they know? And they will enrich your life in incredible ways. I have a host of friends in my neighborhood who do not profess Christ. Some of them are Muslims. Some of them from other world religions. And, and we know them. We hang out with them. I told you recently of going to a Muslim wedding where we spent four or five hours on a Friday night having a great time at a great party that I was the only, my wife and I, were the only believers that we knew of in that whole group of several hundred people. Extremely friendly. Lots of fun. Next day we came back to the actual wedding. I mean, they take a lot of time and they have a big old party when people get married. They know how to party better than Baptists know how to party. I have to tell you that. But the reality is we got to know these people and got to share life with them. And as a result of that, we have an opportunity and have shared and taken the opportunity to tell them about Christ. Make friends with people. Find the one that's in your path at the marketplace, in the neighborhood, the school, wherever it is. Find them. Identify them. And God will use you in their life. One of the greatest movies that I I saw in this past year was... The movie called A Case for Christ. The Case for Christ is a story of Lee Strobel coming to faith. Have you seen it? Great movie. And the whole heart of this movie is that his wife comes to faith in Jesus and begins to fellowship with other Christians and go to church, and she begins to really know Christ. And then it becomes her desire that her husband, Lee Strobel, comes to know Christ. But the the thing is, he is a award-winning journalist. He loves research. He's into research. And so he says, I'm going to research the history of Jesus and I'm going to find out whether it was true or not. I'm going to try to disprove my wife's faith. And the whole story unfolds as she's living this faith out authentically and he's making a genuine attempt to disprove Christ. But the really incredible story has this climax when he comes to the inevitable conclusion that people will come to and says he's real he's real And then he gets on his knees and he prays to receive christ now i'm not a crying man i don't cry a whole lot but my eyeballs sweat from time to time and i was having a really big problem with my eyeballs sweating when i was watching that movie because there was a man who made honest inquiry But I would never have asked the question had his wife not said, come and see, come and see, come and see. Come see the man that's changed my life. So we are watching this woman who simply said, come and see. Now let me say a couple of things about that. First of all, we say come and see because we've seen something that others need to see. This woman went back to that village not because someone told her to. She went back to that village because she saw something that others needed to see. That's just the pattern. If you go back to John chapter one, where Jesus is first beginning to walk publicly into ministry and different people are coming to meet him. And in verse 45, we read this. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, obviously skeptical, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see, come and see. I want you to look at your neighbor for a moment and say, come and see. Would you do that? Now, was that hard? Is it hard to say, come and see? Philip said to Nathaniel, come and see, and Nathaniel came and his life was transformed. The woman went to the village and said, come and see a man, and the village came out, and the village was transformed. It's not that difficult to say, come and see. We, we say come and see because we've seen something others need. We also say come and see because we love other people, because we care, because we, we know what eternal destiny is for those without Christ, and we know what it is for those with Christ, and so we want them to be with Christ. We say come and see because we love people, and I believe that you do. I want you to know something else about this text, though. Not only did she simply say come and see, but she let her friends Decide for herself. She let her friends decide for herself. You see that in verse 30. You see that in verse 42. This woman invited them. She imparted small bits of truth to her friends, but she let them decide. She trusted that when they got to the same place she was at that well, and they looked eye to eye with Jesus, they would have the same supernatural experience that she had. And we tend to forget this as, as people who have been saved or who have been believers for long periods of time we forget the powerful moment when we first came to know Jesus. But let me remind you, the presence of Jesus is so powerful, especially the first time you've experienced it. The presence of being in his presence, the reality of realizing he's there, he's speaking to us, he's moving in your heart. That is unbelievable. It's just, it's just indescribable. You have to be there to experience it. But having experienced it, you want others to, and you trust that when they come, what they experience will impact them the same way. Because you see, the powerful presence of Jesus is powerful no matter who comes into contact with him. To someone who's seeking answers and seeking God, worship is a beautiful a powerful experience where a group of God's people are worshiping him and lifting him up. Prayer is mysterious and compelling to someone that doesn't understand prayer. Why are these people asking God to do something in their lives? And, and how is it for that they can see God answering those prayers It's mysterious and compelling. The word, the word being preached or taught is unique and it's, it's compelling and convicting to them because they realize there's truth here that I don't know. These verses remind us that I don't need to convince anyone. All I need to do is invite them. I don't need to convince anyone of the power of the gospel. All I need to do is share the gospel. And God does the rest. God does all the supernatural stuff. And all we do is simply say yes to being obedient and to share with people. Come and see Let me tell you what you can trust. You can trust the power of the Holy Spirit to bring about the conversion in people's heart. You can trust him to do that. And I want you to remember back to the day that you first came to believe, the moment that you came to give your life to Jesus. Remember how convicting that was? Remember how amazing that was that God was speaking to you and you knew it? Remember how you realized that that you didn't have any choice anymore, but you were okay with that because you knew the right way. Remember when you realized that you were going to have your sins washed away and that was going to be history and that was going to be in the path and now you can move forward with a brand new life, unburdened by the path? You remember that day? Everybody needs to experience that and will when they come into the presence of Jesus. You don't have to convince them. She didn't try to convince the community. She simply said, come decide for yourself. And thirdly, lastly, Jesus said, I sent you for this and you will rejoice. He said to the disciples who are coming back by now and the woman at the well has gone into the village. And in verse 36, uh, he's addressing what's taking place. And he's teaching his disciples. And in verse 36, he said, Already he who reaps is receiving wages and is gathering fruit for life eternal, so that he who sows, that is, sows seeds of the good news, and he who reaps, that is, who sees the conversion of people who come to faith in Christ, may rejoice together. For in this case, the sagging is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which we haven't labored. Others have labored and you have entered into the labor. Now Jesus calls us, he sends us and says, you'll rejoice when you do this work. Has that, has that occurred to you yet? That in the same way Jesus sent these disciples, he sends us. We are a sent people. You are a sent people individual believer. You've been sent. Each of us have been sent. All of us in this room, the thousands who are members of this church are sent people. Are you doing what you're sent to do? Are you doing what you're sent to do? A great missing joy in many Christians' lives is the joy of impacting others. We don't have that joy because we're not in that work. But when we're in that work, when we realize we can plant seeds, when we realize we can invite others to come to Christ, we experience that joy. I was at a, a wedding a few weeks ago uh, in Dallas, and I sat down with a longtime friend that I served with in another church a few years ago, and we were recounting a story that we both remembered well. It was a story of a man who was on his deathbed, and we were invited to come and share the gospel with him, and, and we went and did that, and we were, we were really... Joyous to be able to remember that conversation that took place 20 years before because God was in that room and because that man on his deathbed responded positively to the gospel of Jesus. And we were just almost eyeballs sweating again as we were thinking about something that happened two decades ago. The joy that comes from seeing others set free, that comes from seeing others know Jesus that comes from seeing others come to faith and and know the word and love the Lord is amazing. It's a joy that many of us miss out on. But Jesus said, I've sent you for this and you will rejoice and it's contagious. And it's your primary calling. Your call to be devoted, first of all, to Jesus and the gospel before you are anything else. Now, just for a moment, I want you to imagine this woman's joy. Just imagine it. Can you imagine this woman's joy being the not so upstanding member of her community, being the woman who probably was rejected, probably looked down upon, because she was probably morally loose, had had five marriages, wasn't married, but was living with a man out of wedlock, I came to the water well alone. I'm pretty sure she's an outcast. But that woman goes back to that village, and she begins talking to them with a very different tone. I have met someone that's changed my life, and they're probably skeptical at first, but she's there long enough to convince them she's different. And can you imagine her joy when the whole village, instead of repudiating her, goes with her back to the village or back to the water well where they themselves see Jesus. Can you imagine those two days after that when she watched them interact with Jesus themselves? And can you imagine her expression and her joy when they say, we don't believe because of your word anymore. We believe because we've seen him for ourselves. He's the Messiah. Can you imagine the transformation of the entire community? It's not the same place anymore. Because she said... Come and see. And they came, and they were convinced. And Jesus said, I've sent you for that. I've sent you to transform your community with the power of the gospel. We're asking you to do that now, this year. We're asking you to pick one person. We're asking you to make a commitment to be a witness. Even if you haven't identified that one person yet, we're asking you to be committed to identify one. And asking you to be committed to begin interceding for them and investing in them and inviting them throughout the course of the year and imparting the good news of the gospel to them. Would you take your card for just a moment? And we'll put it on the screen as well. As you open this card up, it looks like this. And this is our step of commitment we're asking you to do today. Take your pen out. Hopefully every individual in the room has one. And waiting in the wings in just a few moments after our prayer are our children who are going to be coming in. And are going to be leading the way and making a commitment to do this. Our preschoolers and our children, it's going to be beautiful. They're prepared. They're ready to go. Many in this congregation have already done this. My, my wife and I have already made our commitments, and we're going to lay those at the altar this morning. But we want all of you to have the opportunity to do that. And let me just say this. If you're a guest today, it's okay for you to be here. Even if you haven't seen the runway leading up to this, it's still an opportunity if you want to to respond today. Even if you haven't had time to figure out who the one is that you need to identify I want you to notice what you can do today. So look at this, at the opening side of that, of that brochure, you see the five eyes that we focused on, and there's a website address that you can also find more information about this. So open it up and on the inside, you see this line, I commit to love one in 2018 by choosing one person, showing them God's love, and giving them the chance to follow Jesus. Now I've signed my name there, and I've also signed or written down the name of one of my neighbors that I'm focusing on. Now if you don't have your one yet, that's okay. Because really, as you walk through this next week or two, God will most likely show you the name of someone and help you identify someone you need to show as your one. So today is the commitment you make. And if you have that name, the one, then write their name down. I've done that, okay? I do the same thing on the other side. One side of this, you'll take and keep. The other side, you'll leave here on the altar in just a few moments as we give you an opportunity. So, you see the same wording on both sides, fill out both sides of that, if you will. And again, if you don't have a name identified, leave that blank. It's okay. We still want you to make that commitment. Then, on the back side of this, the commitment card is a way for you to give us your address, your contact information, because we're all going to keep up with this in the sense of encouragement. So this is not the address or the phone number of of your one. We don't want their address and phone number unless they give it to us. We're not gonna send letters to them. We're not gonna call them. This is your one, all right? So I want you to take your one, but on the back side, let's have your, your personal address, how we contact you and so forth. That is part of the commitment card that you'll leave on the stage. And I'm gonna ask you to when you finish it to tear it apart like this. And so one side you keep, one side you leave. And I hope that you'll keep this in your Bible, maybe even tape it in your Bible. And as soon as I pray, we're going to watch our preschoolers and children come in. And we're going to rejoice in that. And we're going to let them lead the way. And then I'm going to call on you to respond with a commitment to the loved one. We can do this. We should do this. We're called to do this. Jesus did this. The woman at the well did this. And our community can be impacted just like hers was. Would about with me? Father, thank you so much for the privilege of being able to make this commitment today. What a a high calling you've given us. But even more joyful to have our friends, those we worship with, our brothers and sisters in Christ, being able to do this is amazing. And Father, as we all do this, I can only imagine the impact on the hundreds, even thousands of ones, those ones that are being prayed for, those ones that are being given opportunities and invites. So Father, today we ask you to help us as we make this commitment to be willing to follow you in obedience. Thank you for the privilege of serving you in this. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I'm gonna invite our preschoolers to come on the stage and our children to come forward over these next few moments. And as they begin to come, I want you to rejoice with me that our kids are leading the way. Bring them on, bring them on. Look at these kids, give them a hand, would you do that? And as they come, I'm asking Kathy to come up. Kathy is our preschool minister, as you know, and Kathy does, has done such a phenomenal job of preparing our preschoolers. Kathy, tell us about this whole process and tell us what it means. Well, you see our preschoolers are uh, at up and they are uh, in community members and
1: neighbors and friends. Hey, Hudson. Come on, buddy. Come back here with us, all right? Anyway, we once decided... Loves them and that Jesus wants to be their friend forever. And so what we want to do is we want our kids to understand that it's not just our adults and uh, the older kids that can do this, but that preschoolers can have a part of this as well. And so we are focusing on a different group each month, so that could be our police officers, our firefighters, restaurant servers, grocery store clerks, just different people in their lives that they come in contact with every day of the month and that their parents come in contact with. So we've asked them to dress up today, and they are doing that, and they have their commitment cards, and we'll be helping them uh, learn how to invest invite all these people that are in their lives uh, to come to church and to join us.
0: And as I come in, let me have the opportunity of also just calling your attention to the kids coming in on all sides, preschool up on the stage. They have a little line right here. And in just a moment, we're going to lay our cards down here, our commitments. I'm so thankful for our preschool minister, Kathy. So thankful for Chris, our children's pastor, as he's led our kids to also to be at this place. Can you imagine the number of People that these kids can impact, the number of people these children can impact. Look at them, they're still coming in. Look at all these kids. Give them another hand. It's awesome. Come on in, kids. Come on in. I'm going to wait for them all to get down here. You know, it's it's really an incredible thing when we do everything together as a church. We were able to do that at the 8 o'clock service, 8.30 service. And I saw a number of senior adults walk forward. Some of them barely mobile. Some of them struggled to get to the front and then go, go back to the back. But they were laying cars down because they understand the value of the gospel. We can't see it right now, but they're happening at the same time in our Hispanic service. They're happening also in our international service. The opportunity for all of us in all of our spheres of influence to love one is at the heart of Jesus. Jesus loved one, the woman at the well, right? And so we are. So, this is an incredible opportunity for us to make this active commitment. Children, you want to lead the way? Let's lead the way by laying our cards right down here, our commitment down. Do it right now. Would you do that? Okay.
1: You can you take your cards up here? We're supposed to be up there.
0: All right. They're slaying them down everywhere. If I have a chance to put your cards on the altar, there's some more over here. Go ahead. Take the time to do it. You can get into the front if you need to. Come on. Parents, you should be so proud of your children for making this commitment. Folks, this is the whole another generation of people that are gonna reach out for Christ's sake to others. Mm -hmm. Just some more cards. Go ahead and make sure we get all those cards up there. Here's some cards. I want want her to be able to get her card there. She's trying to reach up here. Please help her get her card up here. Come on up here. It's okay. Push your way through if you can. There you go, every card is important. Every one of you is so important. Every card is important. Have you been able to do that? All right. Looks like we've got most of it done. Thank you so much, kids. And as they as they begin to make their way out to make room for you, I'm gonna have Chris Burton step up and Chris is gonna share a little bit about what our children's ministry is doing. Give them one more hand as they make their way out, oh. would you? Thank you, kids.
2: Well, in the elementary age, we are very, very excited to be a part of Love One, and we're excited for a lot of different reasons, Um, but especially I'm excited because I have personally um, experienced um, what God can do uh, through the life of a child that has a personal relationship with Jesus because it was through my six-year-olds that God led me back to a personal relationship with him. So I understand how incredible these kids can be in affecting change, and regardless of your age, whether it's a a small child or whether it's an adult. So I'm excited what the kids are going to do. Basically what we're doing with first through second grade is we're going to be partnering with Kathy in preschool. um, what they'll be doing is is loving their neighbor, um, loving their community workers, and so you see those people every day. Your garage um, and your garbage people that come every single day to to pick up your trash, and so Kathy's already uh, had her kids go out and take them water, and so um, to try to witness to them. So it's just it's about loving your neighbor, and that's what we're doing with our first through second grade, with preschool, but also with our third through sixth grade. We're partnering with the adults, and we're challenging them to pick one person this next year that they'll begin to befriend, they'll begin to invest into, they'll begin to invite. And then we're going to spend some time with them this year to teach them how to share the gospel and share the gospel with their friends in school. And we're, we're excited what our kids are going to do because we think they're going to do something incredible this next year. Well, the next gen team was excited too because they realized as families that you may want to do this together. So, this is not my happy meal. This is not my lunch. This is actually our loved one kit that we put together for our families, for our families that want to do this together. So, we'll have these available at Guest Central afterwards. So, you can pick one of these up, one per family. Guys, are you excited about what God to do through Love One this next year? I am too. Thank you. Chris, are you ready?
0: Would you like to make this commitment? Would you like to follow the leadership of our kids as they've led the way today? I want to ask if you stand with me right now, would you, would you stand? And over these next few moments, Andy will play a song, we'll, we'll sing, we'll hear the music. And I'll ask you if you're ready to put your commitment card on the, the uh, altar, would you come? Come down the center aisles, but when you come back, will you come back the outer aisles? So you can get back to your seat just before we close. We will have a closing word of prayer in just a moment. But we want the traffic to be one way on the center aisles, on the inside aisles. There's about four of them, really. So, you come down these aisles and then go back to the outside aisles, if you would. And over these next few moments, let's make an incredible statement of commitment to loving one. Let's go. Let's do it.
3: Seeing you move, you move the see you. still stand. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my cause. Feeling in your hands This is my confidence You never fail One more time Your promise still stands Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence, you never fail.
0: And I have to tell you, I'm so thankful. These are hundreds, even thousands perhaps of cards across here. They've been brought in from every service today. And these are commitments that you make, and it's a long, a year-long kind of thing. There'll be all kinds of opportunities for you to invite people to come and experience the Lord here at First Yearless, so And we want to encourage you to begin doing that now. You don't have to wait for anything, but as you see those opportune moments that we mentioned that are particularly uh, easy to invite people in, I want you to do that. When you're ready to impart the truth to them, we can train you to do that. You know that Can We Talk is something we do. We train people to share the gospel, and we wanna train you to do that if you're not already trained. All kinds of ways to equip you and enable you to do what Jesus did with the woman at the well, what the woman did with the community that she lived in. What an amazing opportunity. I'm so proud, so thankful of you. As a congregation, we wanna mobilize this year like we never have before, all year long. So plot out your strategy, begin to think, begin to invest, begin to pray, and then begin to invite. I'm gonna ask our prayer counselors to come to the front right now because at the end of every service, we give you an invitation to come and pray and make decisions for Christ. It could be that you're like the woman at the well before she met Jesus. And if you're at that place where you're wondering, who's the Messiah, how do I worship? How do I really come to know God? Then Jesus would say to you just what he said to her, "I." who speaks to you and He. He's here for you today, and I promise you, when you're ready to come to faith in Christ and put your trust in Him, we're ready to talk to you about that. So as I close the prayer, the service in prayer, when I conclude with Amen, you can walk forward. You can talk to one of these here and to say, tell me how that I can have what that woman in John 4 had that so transformed her life. If you're a guest today, I invite you to come to our guest reception center. I'd love to visit with you. After you've made the most important spiritual decision, Come back there. Let me visit with you and say hello to you today. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this privilege of leading a church to love one, all of us, loving one around us, near us, of being able to be mobilized not only to invite people but to impart the gospel of Jesus to them. Father, thank you for the privilege of training people, equipping people, encouraging people who really want to follow you, who really want to obey your example today as we've made this statement, as we've made this commitment, Lord, honor this, use this in our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.